You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head. And a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country. A villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, Wednesday, September 18th. 2019 getting closer and closer to the weekend which means getting closer and closer to another game this week's game first one on the road for the Raiders as they're in Minnesota taking on the Vikings and so let me give you a rundown of today's show coming up in segment number three I just got a couple calls straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line but they're pretty lengthy calls they're calls that I really wanted to get to on Tuesday but didn't have enough time because of the length of the calls so I got about three or four calls that are pretty lengthy but they're really good calls and I want to share them with you so that's coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, I mentioned the Minnesota Vikings game. I mentioned it's the first game on the road, and it is a Wednesday, so we know it is crossover Wednesday. So I'll be talking to Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings, talking all things Vikings and Raiders, get his side of things, get the Raiders' side of things, and kind of get you prepared as we turn the page from the Chiefs' loss to the upcoming game against the Vikings, week three of the NFL season. You'll hear that coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, I want to give you the news and the notes of the day. And before I do that, though, I got to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Peloton. If you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged, Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. Now, let's get started on the news and the notes for the day. Raiders, they released guard Jonathan Cooper on Tuesday to make a roster spot for left guard Richie Incognito, whose two-game suspension ended on Monday. Cooper was there for depth, just in case, but was inactive for the first two games of the season while Incognito was out with a suspension. That'll be a really big help having Richie Incognito, your guy who you knew was going to be the starter, back at the left guard position. He'll be there next to Colton Miller. Now all you're trying to do is get your book in. You're trying to get your other guy, Gabe Jackson, who's not quite there yet as he's dealing with a sprained MCL but sounds like he's close to the road to recovery. So that'll be good when Gabe Jackson's able to get back into the fold. But right now, getting Richie Incognito is pretty big. Wide receiver Tyrell Williams, he's dealing with a hip pointer, had to get a shot to help ease the pain on Sunday during the game against the Chiefs. He says, don't worry about the injury or the pain. He's going to play on Sunday versus the Vikings. So no matter what he has to do to get back out there, as he is the leading receiver right now for the Raiders, he's going to be out there playing on Sunday against the Vikings. Now, there is no update yet on the health of Josh Jacobs. He's dealing with a bit of a groin injury, but I did want to pass on this little nugget from Pro Football Focus. And look, Pro Football Focus is not the end-all, be-all, but running back Josh Jacobs is rated Pro Football Focus's highest-grade first-round pick at 89.8. So that's pretty good, right? For all the first-round picks, he's actually rated the highest so far through two weeks, and he's also Pro Football Focus's highest-graded running back, period, 
through two weeks. Rookie, first-round pick, second-round pick, doesn't matter. He is the highest-graded running back in the NFL through two weeks. Very small sample size, but still through two weeks. And what they had to say about him is the Raiders haven't had much to cheer about over the last few months, but the first two games of Josh Jacobs' career should at least give some form of hope. After he churned out 63 rushing yards after contact and six forced missed tackles in week one, the Alabama product rushed for 83 yards after contact via three forced missed tackles in week two. And he has now earned an 87.8 rushing grade that ranks him first amongst all NFL running backs with at least 20 rushing attempts so far this season. So that's pretty good praise right there for the running back. And again, it's a small sample size. It's only two weeks into the regular season, but just kind of wanted to pass that note on to you. And again, pro football focus is not always the end all be all, but I thought that that was a pretty interesting little note that I like to pass on. Now getting into some news and notes that aren't really Raiders related but could be Raiders related. The Lions, they released running back and Bay Area native C.J. Anderson. If you remember correctly, he was a member of the Raiders in 2018 for a quick minute, but the Raiders had to release him because they had a greater need at another position. He had glowing reviews about what John Gruden was doing there in Oakland, and then he went on to have a nice Super Bowl run with the Rams. Ultimately, they ended up losing the Super Bowl, but C.J. Anderson was a major player for them down the stretch, uh, picked up some real big yards, and did a lot of the heavy lifting when running back Todd Gurley was not able to while he was dealing with the knee injury. So C.J. Anderson is available right now for a team to pick up. And I'll just say, he could be a really good backup to Josh Jacobs, in my opinion. He got that muscle, that beef. He could be more of that short yardage power back, that third and two, that fourth and one type guy. I wouldn't be opposed at all for the Raiders to bring him in and maybe release Jalen Richard. I mean, seriously, I think that DeAndre Washington could do some things, but him and Jalen Richard are very similar to each other. And at this stage of the game, I just I trust DeAndre Washington more because of one ball security. Two, I just think that he runs a little bit tougher. Jalen Richard is really good at catching the ball in the backfield. I get that. But as of right now, I think that the Raiders need to step up there the way that they use Josh Jacobs anyway. Not only give him the rock a lot more. I mean, 12 carries is not enough for one game. They need to give him the rock more, and I think they need to start using him in the passing game as well. I think C.J. Anderson could be a heck of a player as far as just pound the rock on, like I said, third and two, fourth and one. Use DeAndre Washington to maybe catch some passes out of the backfield and still be able to run between the tackles, and then use Josh Jacobs as much as you can. I like Jalen Richard. I like what he did, but at some point, man, I feel like his value to the team is starting to run out, so I think that's something that the Raiders should look at, at least look at, maybe kick the tires on him see what is going on with them. But C.J. Anderson, a guy who, again, had glowing reviews of what John Gruden was doing in Oakland in 2018, I think he would probably welcome heading back to the Bay and uh, playing for the Raiders, playing for the Silver and Black. I think that would be a good addition. But, again, it's all up to Mike Mayock and John Gruden what they think. And the last piece of news I want to share is about Mika Fitzpatrick, how he's now a Pittsburgh Steeler. And that news broke or came down, what, Monday night? But uh, on Tuesday it was official where Adam Schefter actually said exactly what the trade was. And it's uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, obviously he's going to Pittsburgh. The Dolphins received the Steelers' 2020 first-round pick and fifth-round pick and a sixth-rounder in 2021. So what the Dolphins received for Mika Fitzpatrick was a first-round pick, in 2020, a fifth round pick in 2020, and a sixth round pick in 2021. And what the Steelers received in return, Mika Fitzpatrick, obviously, Dolphins 2020 fourth round pick, and their 2021 sixth round pick. So it looks like they just exchanged six round picks in 2021, and the Dolphins gave up their fourth round pick to receive the Steelers fifth round pick in 2020. And then obviously the first round pick went for Mika Fitzpatrick. So now if you're counting, the Dolphins have five first round picks and four second round picks in the next two drafts. Sound familiar? Sound like something that the Raiders did? It's funny how John Gruden goes and makes some trades and gets a bunch of picks and he gets raked over the coals for it. And now every team in the league is doing it. 
The Giants already did it when they traded Odell Beckham Jr. away. The Texans did it when they traded away Jadavion Clowney. The Dolphins did it when they traded away Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills and now Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, there's all kind of things going on. Of course, Jalen Ramsey, he's still uh, a possibility, a trade bait possibility for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So now everybody's doing what John Gruden did. But, man, when John Gruden did it, all hell hit the fan, right? Yeah, man. I mean, it was the dumbest thing and the worst thing ever. Now everybody's kind of following in the blueprint. So I guess it wasn't that bad of an idea after all. So coming up in segment number two, it's going to be the crossover edition. Vikings, Raiders, be talking to Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. Going to be talking all things about the game. It kicks off at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, and 10 a.m. on the West Coast. So we'll be talking about that, all aspects of the game. That's coming up next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. But before I get into that, I got to tell you about Blue Chew. And uh, fellas, I got to tell you, Blue Chew really, really works. Actually, I had a funny little joke going on the other day. I thought my man, most known unknown, I thought he had uh, taken some Blue Chew and then jumped on our text message because he was going hard in the paint. I mean, he was going so hard in the paint, like that was the running joke. But Blue Chew ain't no joke. But he was just so fired up that I thought that maybe he got him some Blue Chew in his system. But, uh, fellas, if you need that extra boost, if you need a chance to go hard in the paint, like my man Most Known Unknown was doing, maybe you do need to go ahead and check out Blue Chew. Again, they are the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's going to work. You can take it anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or not. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. You can be ready to go whenever opportunity arises. And it doesn't just happen one time. Maybe you need to go back for two times. Maybe you need to go back for three times. Whatever you got to do, it's going to help you out in a major way. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. And they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, for all Locked On Raider podcast listeners, even you, most known unknown, visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code LOCKEDON. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping and handling. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON, and try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and of course, I always thank them for being a sponsor of the Locked On Raiders podcast. The crossover edition is up next. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here it is. Time for the crossover edition. This is when I got an opportunity to talk to Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. You can find him on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL, talking all things Vikings, all things Raiders, coming up on Sunday in Minnesota. Here's that conversation. All right, welcome back to the crossover edition. It is Vikings versus the Raiders, and to talk all things Vikings is Luke Braun, host of Lock On Vikings. You can find him on Twitter, at Luke, that's L-U-K-E, Braun, B-R-A-U-N-N-F-L. And Luke, welcome to the show. It's going to be a good crossover edition. I'm excited about the game coming up, week three, Raiders-Vikings in Minnesota, the first road game for the Raiders. And uh, i got to get all things Minnesota. got to ask all things Vikings with you right now, and First and foremost, I want to talk about Kirk Cousins. I know he's gotten off to kind of a slow start in 2019, but what is the fan base's feelings on Cousins, who's in year two of a three-year fully guaranteed deal? Yeah, so the fan base has been divided pretty much since the day uh, the Vikings signed him. Uh, Pretty sour at the current moment, you know, coming off of a pretty brutal loss to a division rival. uh, Kirk Cousins was inarguably bad in that game. He was pretty awful. So the fan base is a little sour. They tend to be a little, you know, we all we all get a little rosier after a win. Um, but, you know, right now it's the, the dividing factor is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you're paying 84 million and he's not good enough. He's not worth it. Some people say, yeah, but, you know, what else is out there? Who's better? I mean, what are you going to be stuck with? Luke Falk, like look around the league. So uh, I, I think that's generally the debate. 
Um, personally, I'm a little bit of a hater. I kind of always have been of Kirk Cousins. I'm not really, I wasn't a fan of the move at the time. Haven't been a fan pretty much the whole time here. I think that he is a little bit too hesitant to move off of a read. I think he takes things that aren't there, uh, a a little too often. And I think that leads to a lot of problems. And like we saw in the week two game, if anybody caught it, uh, that was there, there's a lot of like pressure situations, either, you know, literal like offensive line pressure or just a uh, a high leverage third down, he kind of melts down, and that's when he gets some of the most mind-boggling moments. Let me ask you this, because it was something that I was very curious about when they went and signed Cousins to that fully guaranteed three-year deal. I mean, it's year two. You know what I mean? It's year two, so you don't have that much time guaranteed left with Kirk Cousins. So say he doesn't have a great season. I mean, he didn't go to the playoffs in 2018. Say they don't go to the playoffs in 2019. Then all of a sudden you're in the final year of his deal. Is this a guy that you're going to look at and say, hey, we want to re-sign him because he's young enough to get another good contract? Or do you look elsewhere? Do you go to the draft? Or do you try to sign another free agent? What would you do in the Vikings' shoes, even though I know it's still kind of a ways away? I, I don't know a lot about the quarterbacks in the 2020 draft, but assuming there's somebody that, you know, I don't have to draft first overall to get like Tua, right. uh, assuming there's somebody else I can target, I would definitely love to draft somebody in 2020. Uh, even if, if Kirk Cousins plays well and they make the playoffs, I want to have somebody waiting in the wings so that if contract negotiations get difficult, you kind of have an out, you have an option. Um, that'll make I either give you a good backup quarterback situation. Lord knows the Vikings need that. Uh, and you know, have uh, uh, at least a negotiating chip to make if you do end up wanting to extend him, which I think is unlikely. I always have thought that was unlikely. Um, but if you do want to extend him, you, then you have the the negotiating. No, we don't really need you. We have this rookie. If you want to go be expensive, I do think Kirk Cousins gets another contract somewhere. If I had to put my money down right now, I would say that it is not in Minnesota. Fair enough. That makes a lot of sense. And again, it sounds like he's probably going to cost a lot of money, regardless if he's good or not. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, he had a big run against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, that was shown on highlights across the country, obviously. Uh, and he's just a guy. I mean, he's he's a dude. And ever since he, the Vikings have had him, uh, they've used him a lot when he's healthy and he's just he's an absolute monster uh is it one of those feelings where as far at least offensively as dalvin cook goes that's how the team goes it seems right now like uh dalvin cook is plan a and and you know winning the game on the ground is like what the vikings want to do which is weird because like teams typically can't pull that off you know you don't have the the like emmett smith type running games of of old you know there's a lot it's a quarterback league so it's weird to watch the Vikings actually like outproduce their passing game with their running game. That's not something you see in this day and age a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's a really classic zone run game. This is the same uh, scheme, the same coaching staff that produced like Terrell Davis way back in the day, Arian Foster, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even like the best CJ Anderson years in Denver. So the, the Gary Kubiak kind of experience is what we're seeing right now. And he knows how to run a zone scheme. The blocking, the run blocking has been excellent. And Dalvin Cook himself, I think he's one of the smartest runners I've ever seen. Um, you know, he has good athleticism, though his combine was like not very good. So when the Vikings drafted him, that was kind of the knock. Like, why'd you draft an unathletic uh, running back? But that has obviously not borne out. He might have been hurt for the combine or whatever. Uh, and he runs very smart. He's very good at just, you know, kind of leaning a little bit to one to one side of a defender to cause the linebacker to shade the wrong shoulder. And then he cuts back and then the block works. He's unbelievable at that kind of thing. He's very skinny through a hole. Uh, and he's just he's a very polished technical runner in addition to having like 
better athleticism than really anybody thought in the draft process. You know, it's so funny, man. The the draft could be such hit and miss, and the combine could be such hit and miss because if you turned on the film, if you saw him in college, you knew the dude could play. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just you knew yeah. you knew he could play, but of course the combine starts making you second guess yourself, and then he drops in the draft. And I thought he was a steal when the Vikings got him. Hated when he went down with an injury because he's a heck of a running back, and you know obviously that what he could do when he's healthy. So good to see he's healthy and he's out there doing what he does. Uh, let me ask you this about the tight ends. Uh, how many two tight end sets have they been able to use? Minnesota been able to use now. They got Kyle Rudolph, obviously the rookie Irv Smith out of Alabama. He's there as well. How's kind of Gary Kubiak and the offensive uh, coaching staff, how have they been able to use those two tight ends? So I think that's been the dominant personnel set. Um, Irv Smith has not come out of the gates hot, though. I think he's gotten like one target and he didn't catch it and he would have been uh, tackled for like minus two anyways. <laughs> um, oh, no, he did catch it for minus two. Uh, but it's been like a rough go for him, although he's been a really nice run blocker. So they've been running primarily out of two tight end sets. They've run more of that than three wide receivers. The Vikings currently only have four wide receivers on the active roster. So it is like they have as many receivers as they have tight ends. So that kind of tells you that like this really is the plan. And uh, hopefully that miss, you know, Irv Smith kind of tra- starts to figure it out. He had a rough preseason. I think he's just transitioning to the NFL. He's really young. So it, it's interesting to see how threatening he will be. But, you know, if you're trying to preview the game for the Raiders, it's, you know, it's you're going to be in base package the whole time unless you have like a big nickel. The Vikings have a guy on the other side of the ball, Jaron Curse, who's kind of a big nickel. He's there specifically to guard people's tight ends. Uh, and that allows you to kind of keep five defensive backs on the field when they have three tight ends and, and you know, not get passed on all the time. Uh, so if you have somebody like that, they'll come in handy. Otherwise, you'll be in base package the whole game. Talking Vikings right now with Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter, talking about the Vikings and the Raiders matchup on Sunday. And I'm glad you brought up the tight ends because I wanted to ask you about that. How do they match up really well? And do you feel like against a very athletic tight end, a guy who's similar to a wide receiver, not quite what you saw in Jimmy Graham last week because I feel like Jimmy Graham is almost at the end of the rope, but a very oh, athletic tight end in Darren Waller. Uh, that's who the Raiders have. Have coming to town on uh, on Sunday. Uh, do you feel like the Vikings will still be able to match up really well with him? Yeah, hard knocks, darling, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Jaron Curse is like the whole point of him is guys like Darren Waller. Okay, he's he is a safety, but he could play a little. He's played like Will linebacker. He's played nickel corner. He's extremely versatile. He's technically a backup, but he's actually off to a, a white hot start. The Vikings are actually dealing with a lot of injuries in the secondary right now. Uh, their first round pick last year, Mike Hughes, tore his ACL. He's still coming off of that. Mackenzie Alexander hurt his elbow in week one. Uh, those are the two nickel corners. So right now, Jaron Curse is getting like the nickel corner snaps, and they are extremely thin at cornerback elsewhere. So an injury would be a really big deal so anywhere in the secondary. But Jaron Curse has really stepped up. And and done a lot to kind of smooth over that uh, that dearth of, of cornerback depth. Last week, the Packers got up on Minnesota 21-0 in the first quarter. What would you say was the main reason for that? Uh, so they, I, I think that they outthought themselves a little bit. They <laughs> let Green Bay dictate the wide receiver matchups. Okay. So they ended up getting Devontae Adams on J. Ron Curse, that's a big mismatch. They got Devontae Adams once on uh, Nate Metters, who originally didn't make the team. You do not need to know that name. He's like a very like deep roster guy, uh, but he was only on the team just because they don't have any other warm bodies. They even had Devontae Adams on a linebacker, Eric Wilson, at one point. 
and that caused a whole bunch of, of issues. They also had a lot of trouble shedding blocks in the early quarter. I actually think that more credit goes to Green Bay than I think is being given right now. Green Bay really did not leave a lot of margin for error, and the Vikings made a bunch of little mistakes, and Green Bay did a great job punishing those. Um, but I think, you know, watch like if you watched that first quarter really deeply and then were told and then they turn it around and they don't give up any points, I don't think you'd be that surprised. I think the, the defense played better than the scoreboard showed at that point, and then they kind of proved it throughout the rest of the game. Well, I'll tell you what. The Raiders said, hold my beer. Don't worry about it, Minnesota. We'll give up 28 in the second quarter. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that, that's what happened just a, a couple days ago against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, yeah, Vikings and, and their fans should not feel bad at all because the, the Raiders outdid them on that. Let me ask you about the running back position and the run defense as far as the Vikings go. Aaron Jones, he was pretty successful against uh, the Vikings, went over 100 yards. Uh, was that more a product of just the scheme of Green Bay, maybe the speed of Green Bay, Aaron Jones being a little bit better than was expected? Or, or, or do you see that maybe being an issue as far as the run defense not slowing these guys down? Um, I, I think the run defense is going to be fine. Uh, you know, Linval Joseph had an uncharacteristically bad game. I don't expect that to repeat itself. I also thought that Shamar Stefan, who is brought in specifically for run defense, had a, a poorer game than is usual for him. I don't think that those things are like sustainable issues. Right. And the edge rushers have been complete beasts all all year, both both games, uh, in both the pass and the run. Everson Griffin is back to form. Uh, you can forget any any worries you had about him from 2018, and Daniel Hunter is still Daniel Hunter. Right. I, I think the linebackers are really good in run support as well. Um, they also really, really missed, however, Ben Gedeon, the third linebacker. He comes in on the base package. He is a really consistent linebacker. And uh, Eric Wilson ended found uh, the the backup found himself out of out of his gap uh, one too many times, and that let Aaron Jones get a little bit more production than I think anybody here is comfortable with. Okay, because Josh Jacobs for the Raiders has been doing a really good job through two games so far. He's been doing a really good job running, so I didn't know if that was like a concern for Vikings fans and and the Vikings in general. Just, okay, here comes a a really good running back. He's been handling it between the tackles really well. Uh, He's a dynamic young rookie. So, uh, yeah, that that should be an interesting matchup right there. And I know they got a lot of money spent on the defensive side of the ball for the Vikings. In general, how is Mike Zimmer feeling? I know it's early in the season. The team is 1-1 and on the season. How is Mike Zimmer just feeling overall about the team? Well, it's definitely the kind of team Mike Zimmer wanted to build. He talked all the all the way through the the offseason about being a team that, you know, has the run game and can can win with the run game. And, you know, they I, I think he kind of figured, yeah, you got your eighty four million dollar quarterback, you got your digs and your Thielen and your Rudolph. Let that be that. Let's go fix the run game. And fix it they did. So I think offensively he accomplished the goal he talked about a bunch. Of course the passing game has a whole bunch of issues in it, and that's kind of you know, its own separate talker. Uh, and defensively I, I think, you know, in Mike Zimmer was asked a lot of really tough questions after the Green Bay game, especially about that first quarter. And he went to bat for pretty much everybody on the defense. He said, listen, I, I, I don't think that they're you know problematic. I don't think anybody is broken or needs to be benched or anything like that. We just got to go look at the mistakes we made, fix them, and come back next week with them fixed. So overall feeling for the Raiders coming to town, it's going to be a tough environment. I know the crowd's going to be super fired up. That beautiful new stadium uh, that, the, that the Vikings have. Uh, what's your overall feeling for, for the game on Sunday? Uh, I feel pretty optimistic. I think that, you know, the Raiders, honestly, they've come out these first couple of weeks better than I anticipated them to be. Uh, but the line is still like minus seven or something. They got home field advantage. The Vikings have a really strong home field advantage uh, with, you know, the indoor crowd and and the environment there, especially earlier in the season. Uh, so I, I think 
the Vikings. I like. I feel good about the Vikings. If I had to predict the game, I don't like final score predictions, but I'll give you right. this. Uh, I think the Vikings cover. So that was my conversation right there with Luke Braun from uh, Locked On Vikings. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. And it's funny, we actually had a whole nother conversation. We talked just about the Raiders on the flip side, but we talk about the Raiders all the time. So I didn't think that that was really important for me to put that onto the podcast today, but that was on his podcast. So if you want to go check him out, again, he's the host of Locked On Vikings. You can go check out our whole conversation if you want to, because he had like two or three segments. But uh, it was good stuff. It was good talking to him. And uh, we'll see how the game goes on Sunday. Coming up in segment number three, your call straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I got to tell you about my bookie. And I wouldn't be telling you about my bookie. I wouldn't tell you to use them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, do it with my bookie. And did you know you could bet on games after the kickoff? I mean, have you really heard of that? Betting on a game after the kickoffs. You're always supposed to make your bet before the game, right? No, not with my bookie. They'll actually let you make the pick after kickoff. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. That's wild to me. But hey, whatever. It's their money, not mine. And if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a whole lot, you could try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you're going to multiply your winnings. It's real, real simple. Join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. What's up, Raider Nation? It's your boy Q. I want to take a minute here to introduce you to another Raiders podcast that you're going to love. Yeah, that's right. Another Raiders podcast, and I guarantee you're going to love it. It's called Vegas Nation, and you can find it wherever you're listening to this show right now. On each and every episode of Vegas Nation, reporters and staff from the Las Vegas Review Journal will break down the latest in all things silver and black, and on top of that, they have a ton of fun doing it. These people know exactly what they're talking about, not just because they eat, sleep, and breathe Raiders football, but because they're out there talking to the players, coaches, and other members of the organization. They're physically on the ground in Oakland, in Vegas, and anywhere else the Raiders news is going down to bring you the latest and the greatest. I'm here for you with the dose of Raiders content every single day right here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, but if you want even more Raiders in your life, and I know you do, go subscribe to the Vegas Nation podcast right now. All you got to do is search Vegas Nation wherever you're listening to this, Hit subscribe, and it'll be there waiting for you when you finish today's episode. Now, enjoy the show. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, welcome back. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that crossover edition with my guy Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. Hopefully you got a better taste now. You got a better idea of what's going to go down on Sunday between the Minnesota Vikings and the Oakland Raiders as the Raiders travel for the very first time in the 2019 season trying to pick up that road victory. Should be a very good and interesting game on Sunday, that's for sure. But right now, let's get into some calls straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. And I know I've been getting through these calls really, really slowly. We got so many calls. I'm not even exaggerating. There's over 300 calls right now in the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. There really is. So I'm trying trying to get through them as much as possible. Raider Blind Rage, I'm sorry that I didn't recognize your voice the other day. I don't know what I was thinking. I knew I knew that voice, but it threw me off because I know you're in the 209 and the call was from the 909, but multiple people on the podcast reached out to me and were like, Q, that was Raider Blind Rage. I'm like, man, you right. You sure are right. So sorry that I didn't recognize your voice, but that still was a really good call, so I definitely appreciate that. So I got a couple calls here in the segment. They're kind of lengthy, so I want to jump right into them. 707-654-4693. The first one comes from John 
Sean Train in the ATL. He's calling to speak on the possibility of the Raiders training for Jalen Ramsey and if he wants the Raiders to make that move or not. Here he is, John Train in the ATL. Q, what up? It's John Train, ATL. Uh, I'm just calling in to speak on this uh, Jalen Ramsey uh, situation with the possibility of the trade. From my perspective, man, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my first sports poster was a picture of the Raiders secondary, the L.A. Raiders. You had McElroy, Davis, uh, Lester Hayes, and Mike Haynes. And and for me, just as a kid, it just really set a precedent as far as Raider football having great corners. I didn't even know about Willie Brown. You know, I came to find out about him later. But through the years, you know, we saw Woodson, Eric Allen, Namdi. You know, there's just something, something about having a great shutdown corner uh, that, that, that just makes sense for the Raiders. So as far as, as uh, Jalen Ramsey, um, I love the player. I love his passion. Um, it's, you know, he's, he is a true shutdown corner. And in this league, with these rules in 2019, that, hey, a good shutdown corner is hard to find. So trust and believe, like, I love him as a player. And, you know, I would love to have a shutdown corner on our team. Uh, I have a couple concerns. One big, one small. The small concern is the personality and the difficulties he may have had just now in Jacksonville. We just went through this with AP, and, of course, he's, this is a, a mountain and a molehill. I understand that. However, just know, whoever he was in Jacksonville, that's who he's going to be for us. So don't be surprised when he blows up at a coach, which I'm, I'm willing to overlook that because blow up between a coach and a player in the heat of a game, I can get over that. That's, you know, that's really not uncommon. I understand that. However, my big concern is when you look at our draft next year, if we're going to have to give up a first rounder, at least for Jalen Ramsey, at least. That leaves us with a first and a third rounder. And my question is, where is our pass rush? Where is our pass rush? You look at the Bears right now with Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, and then boys on the defensive line. They make that secondary look good. Can anybody name the starting secondary on the Chicago Bears? Do they have all pros? Do they have pro bowlers? I don't know. Prince of Bar. He was he was considered a bust in New York. He come to the he come to the Bears and all of a sudden you know he he's pretty doggone good. Kyle Fuller, uh, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? My point is that you build the defense from the inside out, and I don't care who we have in our secondary. Look, we drafted Jonathan Abram first round, Gary and Tommy first round. We gave a big contract to Lamarcus Joyner, Trayvon Mullen second round, Carl Joseph another first round. Now, how many investments are we going to make in the secondary without addressing the elephant in the room? which is our pass rush. We have no pass rush. All right, a few sacks a game, that ain't it. We saw Patrick Mahomes back there just patting the ball, smiling, playing pitch and catch. My, my point is that it does not matter who you have in the secondary if you can't generate a pass rush. You get in Mahomes' face, now you're going to see some results. Trayvon Mullen's going to look better. Gary and Conley would look better. Jonathan Abram when he comes back. Uh, LaMarcus, all these guys are going to look better if you get in that, that dude's face. All right, but right now, Josh Moreau, he ain't it. Maurice Hope, uh, Maurice, uh, Hurst, uh, PJ Hall, they've been underachieving. Jonathan Hankins, he ain't doing nothing. Legit, always hurt. Cleveland Farrell, we'll see what he becomes, but he ain't no real pass rusher. We need multiple investments on the defensive line in order to get this defense right. Until we do that, we ain't stopping the Chiefs. I don't care who we put in the secondary. So, for me personally, man, as much as I would love to see Jalen Ramsey, uh, in a Raiders uniform, I would, it, it's, it's, it's a soft pass for me. If they do it, I'll be excited as a fan, but 
you know, in my mind, just intellectually, I know it's in the long run it's, it's probably a bad move that's not going to make the defense as good as investing multiple first-rounders on the defensive line. Anyway, that's all I got. Appreciate you. Uh, Raider Nation, peace out. That's a really good call, my man, and I'll tell you straight up, I'm not worried about the personality at all. I'm not worried about the passion at all. Jalen Ramsey is a dude who wants to win games, and he wants to help his team be successful. So I know you said you weren't really worried about the personality either. Me neither. Him and A.B. are not the same guy, in my opinion. Now, I understand the whole inside out, and that's the way you build a team, and you are absolutely right. You build it from the trenches, and then you build it out. I totally, absolutely get it. But I also know that they, those two positions really work together. The secondary works with the defensive line. The defensive line works with the secondary. I know that the pass rush is not where it needs to be for the Raiders right now, but they do have some pieces. Are they young pieces? Absolutely. Are they trying to gel and get there? Absolutely. Do I see a little bit of promise? Yeah. Would it be nice to see a, a big-time pass rusher? Absolutely. But right now, I think that the pass rush and the secondary can work together, and adding a guy like Jalen Ramsey can really, really help. Now, you talked about all the capital that the Raiders have invested in the secondary. Think about this. Safety Carl Joseph, he's on the final year of his deal. Safety LaMarcus Joyner, he was a free agent in 2019. He plays the slot. Safety Jonathan Abram, first-round pick in 2019, but he's on IR. Safety Curtis Riley. Free agent pickup in 2019, but he's terrible in my opinion. And safety Dalton Levitt, or Levitt, is special teams only. Safety Eric Harris, he's on a one-year deal. I mean, he, he's probably going to be out of there. So right there, you think about that. The only mainstays out of the safeties that are guaranteed to be there next year are LaMarcus Joyner and Jonathan Abram, in my opinion. Those are the only guys at the safety position that I, I, I swear are going to be there in 2020. Now, at the defensive back position, Garyon Conley. He looks like he's not fit with this staff. He really doesn't. He looks like he's lost. I, I've, I've said it many times that I'm not a big fan of his. Daryl Worley, he's just okay. Defensive back Trayvon Mullen, second-round pick of 2019. He'll be there next year. Defensive back Isaiah Johnson, fourth-round pick of 2019. He hasn't seen a snap yet this year. He's dealing with multiple injuries. Who knows if he'll get on the field at all. Defensive back Keyshawn Nixon, undrafted free agent rookie in 2019. And then defensive back Justin Burris. He just signed five days ago. He literally signed September 13th. So you know you're not going to get a lot from him. So out of those guys, who's guaranteed to be there next year? Trayvon Mullen, Isaiah Johnson, Keyshawn Nixon, maybe. Garyon Conley, if he gets his stuff together. But right now, I'm not sold on that. So there's not really a lot of quality capital gone into those guys. Now, there's capital that's gone into them, but what has it turned into? Jalen Ramsey is a, is a legit dude. You know what you're getting when you get Jalen Ramsey. Do you not? Do you not know you got an all-pro, a pro bowler, a guy who can shut down one side of the field, a guy that can help you compete with the Kansas City Chiefs? No, he's not going to eliminate all the problems, but he can help you compete with the Kansas City Chiefs? That's what you have. There's not a lot of major talent there. Again, Joyner's a player. Abram, we think, is a player, but he's only played one game. Now he's out for the year. Joseph, I think he'll be gone after the season. Conley was drafted to be a number one, but he plays more like a number two. Worley is just okay. He reminds me of David Emerson. Remember him? He, he shined for a quick minute when he came over from Washington, gave, gave him a big contract, and then he wasn't nothing. Released him. He could be good for a week or two and then not very good again. Mullen, Johnson, Nixon, all those are rookies. You tell me Ramsey wouldn't help solidify that secondary? Come on. And it would help the pass rush. It would help the pass rush get home as well. Yes, I know they work together. They absolutely work together. Yes, the pass rush needs to be better. But so does the secondary. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But great call. Absolutely great call, and I appreciate it. That's why I made sure I played it first off the top. Mario in Tucson, he's up next. He's calling to talk about Sunday's game versus the Chiefs, calling to explain what he's upset about. Mario in Tucson. Q, Raider Nation. What's up? Mario in Tucson. Let me get into it. Um, I guess today after sitting there and I watched enough of the game to understand, the 
team isn't as good as we think. They're kind of a work in progress. So I'm not going to get too upset about what happened. But what I am upset, uh, upset about is that the Raiders had something going in the first quarter. You know, they ran the ball effectively. They, they threw the right passes. Guys were catching balls. Everything worked. And then the Chiefs switched up. Now, I can sit here and blow smoke and be like, well, the Chiefs only scored three out of the four quarters. Problem is, the Raiders didn't. They scored in the first quarter, and that was it. So is the Chiefs' defense that good, or is the Raiders' offense that bad? Well, first of all, I'm not giving any love to the Chiefs. I don't think their defense is that good. I think that their defense is average at best. I think our defense is better than theirs from what I saw on the field. But the adjustment needs to be made on defense or offense, I mean, because you can't sit there and have a running back like Josh Jacobs with a fullback like Ingold and tight ends and receivers like you have and score 10 points. I just think that Gruden, first of all, he still, again, played a little bit conservative to me, which is going to be a problem the whole season if they don't put their foot on the gas and score points. This team can score points. They got the amount of guys to do it. But, you know, they, they, they just they didn't. And then on defense, man, that back end, those DBs, and uh, you know what, I'm not going to just pick on Garyon Conley. I'm picking on all of them. Joseph, Nixon, Worley, all of them. None of them played well. None of them played good. They played like crap. Make the adjustments. You knew better what Mahomes is capable of doing. He's going to drop back, and if he has enough time, he is going to fling that ball over your freaking head. It's time to start getting them safeties in tune and get them to cover some of these deep balls. Because, to be honest, if we don't, we're going to be seeing more of the same. There's no way for you to freaking win games like this. And now with all these road games coming, whoo, bruh. All I can tell you is get it fixed. It's early. We can still do something big this year. This team is too talented to go out like that. Yeah, it's Mahomes, but I think we could have beat them. I really do. Derek Carr made some some throws that I know he wants back. I know we want back. But come on. I think head-to-head shootout-wise, I think we can keep up if we make that adjustment in the secondary. Because to be honest, if you want, you know, them to throw deep balls the whole time. You just put everybody on the line of scrimmage and try to dare him to throw. He's going to throw it. Their running game is crappy to me. But I really think, you know, you pound the ball with Jacobs and then let Derek Carr set up that play action. Williams deep. You know what I'm saying? Race four across the middle. There's some stuff that we can do. You know, get Dawson in there. See what he's got in a real NFL game. But we need to do something. It's time to make the adjustment now. Let's don't make the adjustment after week eight or later in the season when we're mathematically out of the playoff. It has to be taken care of now because we got all these road games coming up. And I guarantee you it's going to be hard to win any of them. We could lose every last one of them road games. And, yes, the London game's a road game because it's not in Oakland. So come on, Raiders. Fix it.
You got us all out here. We're ready for you, man. We're ready for you guys to take the next step. Team is way too talented to go out like that. Way too talented. I just wish that they make the adjustment. I'm a Raider fan, but I also see reality. And I know the reality is if they don't get these things fixed, it's going to be 2-14, bro. That's what it's looking like if they don't fix these issues. Q, sorry for yelling and screaming, a little upset, but it is what it is, my man. Raider Nation, two, peace. Thank you so much for that call. I love the passion. I love the fire behind that call, my man. They do have talent. They do need to make some adjustments. They need to get creative, both offensively and defensively, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, they got to realize that they don't have a number one wide receiver, something that I talked about on Tuesday's show. They've got to adjust to that. They absolutely do. You know, I know a lot of people aren't big Booger McFarland fans on uh, on Monday Night Football, but there's something that I heard him say the other day about it doesn't matter if you have great ingredients. If you don't know how to cook them, it's not going to matter. You can flip that the other way and say, hey, you don't really necessarily have to have the best ingredients to still have a really good taste of meal, right? That's what John Gruden and Mike Mayock's job is now. Make the not-so-great ingredients and still turn it into a really good meal. So it can be used both ways. I appreciate that call, Mario. And like I said, appreciate the passion. Don't ever apologize for yelling because that just that's just that love and that fire that you got for the team. I'm not mad at that. Final call for the day. And again, it's another lengthy one, but from PE in North Carolina. I haven't heard from him in a while. He's calling to speak on a few different subjects, including Derek Carr, the game plan he's executing, and when he wants to open up that car convo. He also speaks on the defense as well. Here he is, PE in North Carolina. Hey, what's going on, Q? Oh, I'm sorry, Tupac. What's going on, Raider Nation? P.E. from North Carolina. Hey, Q. First of all, today I want to address uh, Victor and Cali, who called about Derek Carr last week. Hey, Victor. I really think um, I think Derek Carr is executing John Gruden's game plan to perfection right now. Uh, but I have a problem with the overall game plan that he's executing. But um, I, and also I think it's a little bit too early to start talking about Derek Carr. I want to wait for at least four games, maybe even eight games, so we really have something to judge and see what he's done. You know, one game was way too early. Even two games was too early. So we'll, we'll save that Derek Carr until later on. We'll also save the John Gruden game plan until later on, but I do want to talk about that. But one thing today, Q, that I want to bring up, um, I know a lot of people are kind of happy with the defense, and I'm not one of those people, Q, and I'll tell you why. We added some pieces on defense, true. We're better we're better manned on defense. That's true. But we still don't have the guys on defense to beat one on one uh to beat their 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 guy one on one. And when I say that I'm talking about up front. I'm talking about on the defensive line and the linebackers. Khalif Farrell is not that guy yet. Benson Mayo is doing a great job. Every every sack he's gotten, he's had to beat his man one on one. But it's taking some time. And if the coverage doesn't hold up in the back end, you know, a lot of times he's not going to have that time to beat his man. So I think that falls on Paul Gunther. As a defensive coordinator, Q, you have to, if your guys can't beat their opponent one-on-one, then you have to scheme something up to get a free blitzer at the quarterback. You have to trick the offensive line almost, or at least confuse their blocking scheme to where you can get a free guy coming. And if you look at us play, we never have a free man, a free, a free blitzer coming at the quarterback. If every blitzer is always blocked. Now, sometimes they beat their block, and that's what you want. But if you can't do that consistently, then you're going to have a problem, Q. 
that Patrick Mahomes had way too much time. It wasn't because we were not blitzing. It was just because the guys that were blitzing were not beating their man. And Paul Gunther didn't scheme up or trick the offensive line into getting us three runners at the quarterback. And as a good defensive coordinator, that's what you have to do. If you look at all the good and great defensive coordinators, they will always confuse the offensive line's blocking scheme, so they will have free rushes coming at the quarterback. Now, if you got a really great team and you got dogs on the front where you don't have to blitz and they can beat that guy one-on-one, that's a different story. But we don't have that. So, Q, to end this call, I want to say I'm really concerned about the defense. I'm concerned about the lack of complexity with the defensive scheme. Um, you know, and that falls on Paul Gunther. This is the second year in a row we've seen this. And it's becoming a trend now. It's becoming who he is. I understand his players are not great, but still, sometimes you can scheme up um, to get a free blitzer uh, going to the quarterback. So I'm not seeing that out of Gunther. And that's a concern moving forward, man. So we'll see what happens. Everybody's kind of wondering about Garyon Conley and why he's not performing. If you guys remember back in the off season, there was a hot take episode, and I, I called in and I said Garyon Conley was going to be a bust. Raider Nation, Garyon Conley just is not that good. That's why he's not playing good. He's just not that good. He's athletically gifted, but he's not that good. He doesn't want to play that bad. So you don't have to wonder about Garyon Conley just because he's not that good. Peace out, Raider Nation. I agree 100% with the defensive issues. And again, that's why I think that Ramsey would be a hell of an addition because you need that great coverage in the secondary to help the defensive line out, just like you need great defensive line play to help out the secondary. And I will say Gunther needs to scheme better to get favorable matchups. Get the guys that are on the defensive line, put them in better positions. You know, I think Brenton Buckner is doing a really good job with what he's got. Obviously, it's not the end-all be-all yet. It's not It's not where it's not. It's supposed to be. It's not a finished product, but they're getting there. They're absolutely working on it. They do need to generate as much pressure as they, they can possibly do, and again, that's why Ramsey, in my opinion, would really help out. And I will say on Garyon Conley, you're spot on. I've doubted him for a long time. Most folks call me a hater when I say that, but I haven't really believed in him. I actually believe in Trayvon Mullen way more than I believe in Garyon Conley. Conley looks like he's lost his confidence. He looks like he doesn't want to get in there and mix it up. He doesn't want to tackle anybody. He just kind of wants to be a cover corner, and that's fine if you're the best cover corner. I think at best, Garyon Conley is a number two corner. That's just that's at best. And right now, he's not even playing like a number two. So right now, I have more faith in Trayvon Mullen. I think he needs to get in there and get more experience and see what he could do. I really, really do. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. you said it. You said it, P.E., not me this time. Most time, people get mad at me when I speak the truth on Gary on Conley. So that's it for today's show. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Hopefully, you enjoyed the crossover edition. As we turn the page, we move on from the Chiefs and focus 100% on the Vikings. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I'll have a lot more of your calls straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Obviously, have the news and the notes for the day, and I'll have a lot more. And before I let you go, before I let you go, I just want to read something to you real quick, a quick story. And I think sometimes I find stuff that's inspirational. And like I sent this message to my mom. I sent this whole thing to her because I thought it was inspirational. So I'm going to pass this on to you real quick and you do with it as you may. It's a story about an elephant and a dog. An elephant and a dog became pregnant at the same time. Three months down the line, the dog gave birth to six puppies. Six months later, the dog was pregnant again. And in nine months, it gave birth to another dozen puppies. The pattern continued. On the 18th month, the dog approached the elephant questioning, are you sure that you're pregnant? We became pregnant on the same date, and I have given birth three times to a dozen puppies, and they now have grown to become big dogs, yet you are still pregnant. What's going on? 
Well, the elephant replied, there's something I want you to understand. What I'm carrying is not a puppy, but an elephant. I only give birth to one in two years. When my baby hits the ground, the earth will feel it. When my baby crosses the road, human beings stop and watch in admiration. What I carry draws attention, so what I carry is mighty and great. Don't lose faith when you see others achieving their success. Don't be envious of their results. If you haven't received your success, don't despair. Say to yourself, my time is coming, and when it hits the surface of the earth, many shall yield in admiration. I'm leaving you with that, Raider Nation. And as always, just win, baby.